Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Everybody well? Good. I'm going to push this out a little bit. There we go. Y'all ready to study the scripture tonight? Pastor Randon is in Nederland and I am here and uh, we're swapping tonight and we're going to do that about the second Wednesday of every month for at least a couple more months. And so if you don't like me, then just stay home on the second Wednesday or go to Nederland. No, just kidding. I know y'all are much more mature than that. No, it's a great, uh, great to be with you guys and getting ready for Mother's Day. In fact, I think even tomorrow is Pastor Lindsay's birthday. Is that right? Tomorrow is Pastor Lindsay's birthday. So make sure you Facebook her, text her. Her cell phone number is, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you that. But uh, make sure that you let her know happy birthday and make her feel as young as she is. Ladies don't like to feel old. Amen. Look at there, that was a mumbly amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm glad to be with you guys tonight. I'm going to start a new series. Last time I was here, uh, I spoke to you from the series The Resistance and uh, did that the last couple times I was here. So I'm going to start a new one this week. And so hopefully I'll get through all of this. There are three messages in this series. And so I'll be here three times before I leave to head to D.C. on Wednesdays. And uh, so we're getting ready and geared up for Triumph D.C. We're launching a Triumph new, a brand new Triumph Church in Washington D.C. Going to impact uh, and influence a city that influences the whole world. And you guys are going with us, and you're partnering with us, and you're praying for us, and you're giving toward it, and you're going to go visit and take family trips out there, right? And we will provide the church, the worship experience for you, and you provide the vacation, right? Bring an offering when you come, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> but uh, really, really exciting. In fact, uh, for those of you who don't know, make sure that you go and like our Facebook page at Triumph DC, facebook.com forward slash Triumph DC. You can follow us on Twitter at Triumph DC if you do that. There's also a place on your offering envelope if you want to give toward Triumph DC. There's a specific box you can check, and everything that you give in that little uh, line item will go directly towards Triumph DC. We're raising $250,000 to get us to first service, which is first part of February. And that covers all of our uh, equipment that we need to start a church. It covers all of our uh, outreaches that we're going to do to build momentum in the neighborhood that we're going to be in. It covers our facility rental, our launch team gatherings, all kinds of stuff leading up to that first service, which will be first part of February in 2014. So we're raising that, and uh, we're going to also pray that people would not only be a first-time or a one-time giver towards it, but that also many of you, God will move on your heart to partner with us monthly, because after we start weekly services, we're going to need monthly support through at least the first year to help us as we launch this church. We believe in launching big and large, and uh, not, we're not going to ever be a puny storefront church but we're going to be sent, we're sent by God, we're sent on mission, we're sent by the health and the strength of all three of these campuses, and uh, you're going to be able to be very proud of what God does in Washington, D.C. And so please keep praying for us, and uh, my family and I, uh, along with some other members of the launch team who are going to be relocating to move there, we all have houses to sell, we have, um, you know, some of our launch team have jobs to get, and so... Please be praying that God would open every door and that he would open a door that no man can shut and that he would give us strategic relationships and favor. And so um, how many of you know uh, if politics could help our country and our world, 
then it would already be helped. It's the kingdom of God that we need, and that's what we're doing. We're going as ambassadors to bring the kingdom of God and power and demonstration to that most influential city uh, in the world, really, and especially in our nation. And so remember to pray for us when you think. Let's pray tonight before we get into the word. Father, we thank you for this night. I pray that you would open our hearts and that you would open our minds. Let us receive your word with gladness. And let it be profitable to us. Let us be not just hearers of the word, but show us how we can apply it directly to our life at the most important and significant part. Teach us how to leverage your word and let its power affect our lives and change our futures. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to start a series called Living a Better Story. Say that. Living a Better Story. And uh, we're going to look at how we can live a better story. The the message I'm going to share with you tonight, the teaching is entitled, My Story. And then the next time we'll talk about our story and then finally his story. And we'll look at how each of us can live a better story, becoming and doing all that God has called us to become and to do. And so if you look at the the screen, the scripture that we'll start with is 2 Corinthians Uh, chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. And the reason I'm having you look at the screen is because I want to read it out of the Message Bible. And it says, You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. The Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And he said, Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Will you read that, that one sentence with me? Your lives, your very lives, are a letter that anyone can read. Are you all reading in your mind or are you reading out loud? Okay. You ready? Let's try it again. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at. Now make it personal instead of saying you like it's your neighbor. Say me and my and all that. Okay, you ready? Let's try that again. My very life is a letter that anyone can read just by looking at me. And then he goes on to say, Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit. Not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. And Paul said, we publish it. Tonight, the premise for what I want to talk to you about is this. Each one of us is living a story. Each one of us is living a story, a story of joy, a story of pain, a story of laughter, a story of highs, a story of lows, of mountains, of valleys, of meaning, of relationship, of disappointment, of success. We're all living a story, and our story is being told for the audience of history. History will look and read the story of your life and of my life, and it will judge it, whether it was a worthy story, whether it was an impacting story, how large of a story it was, or how small of a story it was. Your story is written on the pages of your life through the struggles that you have, through the day-to-day encounters, the relationships, your decisions, We are creating a story that will forever be sealed in the book of our lives. Each of us is living a story. Page by page, chapter by chapter, each day brings a new and a fresh opportunity for us to live a better story. And so my question to you right up front is, what is the story of your life? What story are you living? What story is your life telling? The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, your life is a letter that everyone can read just by looking at you. So the question is, what is the letter that they're reading? What is the story 
of your life? How will the audience of history rate your story? Who will be included in your story? Who will be left out? Who will be impacted? What will be accomplished by the story of your life? What will be left undone? Will your story, will it die with you or will it endure after you're gone? Is your story a story of triumph or is it a story of defeat? Is it a story that is larger than life or is it a story that is smaller than what your potential is? Your story, my story, is the sum total of your life Your story, my story is my life, it's my relationships, it's the sum total of my decisions, my priorities. My story as a believer, as someone who follows Christ, it's the story of God's work throughout the course of my life. Through everything that happens, good, bad, happy, sad, it's the story of my life, it is my story, it is the story of God's work through the difficult situations making me who He wants me to become. Shout my story. So what kind of story are you telling? What is the message of your story? And by God's grace, can we resolve to live a better story, a bigger story, a more impacting story, a more enduring story, a story that is eternal in its significance and in its value? So tonight I want to I start by giving you three components of your story. Three components of my story or three, maybe we could say there are three arenas in which our story is lived out. And then I'll give you a couple of action steps of what to do in case you don't like the current story of your life and how it's going. Okay, so three areas that that make up your story. Number one is your past. Everybody shout my past. Yep, you were pretty quiet about that. <laughs> yeah, my, my, oh, can we forget about that, right? Your past. Everybody has a past, whether it's a good past or a bad past. Here's the thing about your past. It is history. Everybody shout history. That means what you ate an hour ago is your past, right? Who you dated a month ago is your past. Somebody shout amen, right? Your first wife is your past. Your, your third husband, if he's not sitting next to you, is your past, right? What you did before you knew Christ is your past. Somebody shout praise the Lord. <laughs> your past is history. That means it's done. It's what's lost. It's what's gained. It's what's happened. Who you loved. How you suffered. It's history. Say that with me. Say, my past is history. My past is history. Now, don't hold on to it. Celebrate it. Thank God for it. Or forget it. But whatever you do, move on past it. Learn from it. Don't get stuck in it. Have you ever met someone who gets stuck in their past? They're always looking in the rearview mirror. What, how would you get out of the parking lot tonight if you refused to look through the windshield but kept your eyes in the rearview mirror, always looking at what's behind you, never looking at what's in front of you? But many times we live our lives like that. We're always crying over spilt milk. It's spilled, baby. Clean it up and move on, right? Go to the refrigerator and get another glass. We have to live our lives looking through the windshield more than we do looking through the rearview mirror. Our past is helpful. Your rearview mirror is helpful. It locates you. It lets you know where you are and where you're going and make sure that, that you've learned so that you don't have uh, 
accidents, right? So that you don't have future problems. But we have to live our lives not in our past, but in our future, looking through our windshield and not our rearview mirror. Because my past is an important part of my story. Praise God. It's, it's who I am, and it's made me who I am today, right? But it's history. It's done. It's over. I can't change it as much as I wish that I could. I can't celebrate it more than it's been celebrated. It's history. It's my past. I can't get stuck in it. That's why Paul told the Philippians, he said... Forget about, he said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and looking forward to what's ahead. I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize. Isaiah said, don't remember the former things or the things of old, for behold, I'm doing a new thing. Because many times you can't see the new thing that God's doing if you're always looking at the old things. Have you ever met someone stuck in a decade, long gone, right? Their dress style, their music style, their haircut. Right? All they talk about is what happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Right? Don't get stuck in the past. It's history. So what do I do with my past then? My admonition to you is redeem it. See, you can't change your past, but you can redeem your past. That means you cover it with the blood of Jesus and make your past serve your future. You can't change it. You can't fix it. But you can say, Father, I cover it in the blood and I ask that what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to turn and make it for good. Right? It's, it's a part of the Romans 8.28 that says that God causes all things, even the past, even the mistakes, even the poor decisions, even the bad relationships. He makes all things work together for what? For good. God said, as far as the east is from the west, I've separated He separated our sins from us. So your past is history. And I would even say it's his story. Number two, an important part of your story is your future. Everybody shout my future. Now here's the thing with the future. The future is a mystery. I don't know any more than you know what the future holds. In fact, the future is very mysterious. And it's been said that we don't, while we, we don't know what the future holds, we do know who holds the what? Who holds the future, right? And so if we don't know what even is going to happen to us five minutes from now, then listen, don't fixate on the future because it's a mystery. Many times we can become so fixated on the future. However, the future is what we have very little control over. And even if you pray and fast and spend all day with Jesus, the scripture still says that we see through a glass darkly. We don't know what we're looking at. We just know that when we see Jesus, then we'll know everything and we'll be known as we are known. And everything's going to work out. But we don't know what's in the future. But if you follow Christ, we do know one thing. We know that it's good. Right? He, told Jer- he spoke through Jeremiah and said, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans of peace and not of evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what 10 years. I can have 100 year plans, but it's still a mystery. But one thing I do know is when I've placed my faith in Christ and I follow him, it's going to be good. Shout, my future is a mystery. So what do I do with my future? I sanctify it. Shout sanctify it. That's a good old, old Pentecostal term. Sanctify it. What does that mean? It means set it apart and give it to God. 
If you don't know what is in your future, then you can't really do much with it except for say, Father, whatever it is, I'm going to set it apart and say it belongs to you. Whatever you want to do with the story of my life outside of the present, we've already seen the past, but I give it to you, I sanctify it, I set it apart, and I determine that the days of my life will be written and they'll all be given to you from henceforth, from now on. My future is a mystery. And the third part of our story, I'll give you a guess, what do you think it is? Our present. Now here's, here's where it gets good. My past is history. I can't change it. It's done. But what I do need to do is redeem it, cover it in the blood of Jesus and say everything that happened to me was for a reason and God's going to make it serve his purpose. My future is a mystery. I don't know what is out there for me, but I do know it's good. So I'm going to say, God, it all belongs to you. Everything in my future belongs to you and I've set it apart and I'm giving it to you. My present though It is my opportunity. Shout opportunity. It's the now. You can't change your past. You don't know your future. But you can live better now. You see the only part of our life that we really have dominion over. That we really can can make a a change or a difference is, is right now. Somebody shout right now. Right now. So living a better story is not about time traveling to your past and trying to fix it or going forward into the future, but allowing God to work in your life right now for his better purpose. Today's decisions are either tomorrow's regrets or successes. So what do I do then with my present? Redeem my past, sanctify my future. Right now, what do I do? Because it's my opportunity. I maximize it. So living a better story is about maximizing right now. Making a better decision today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, today. About squeezing all of the purpose of God out of this moment because we only have this moment, it's gone. Then we only have this moment and it's gone. Do you see that? Ephesians chapter 5 says this in verse 16, 15 and 16. It says, be careful then how you live. Because you can only, your present is your only opportunity. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says, this is how you live as a wise person. Making the most of every, what is the word? Opportunity. So let me give you a mantra. If you don't get anything else, I want you to write this down, memorize it, say it to yourself. This is your little um, biblical success mantra for living a better story. You ready? My past is history. My future is a mystery. But my present is my opportunity. My past is history. My future is a mystery. But my present is... Is my opportunity. Does that sound good? You want to try it? Say it out loud. My past is history. My future is a mystery. But my present is my opportunity. So we have to maximize it. So here are three things. Ways that you can apply it to your life right now. Tonight. If you want to live a better story in your present. Are you ready? 
This is practical. I'm not just often, you know, theorizing. But this is practical. Number one, if you want to live a better story, rewrite the script. Now, you can have the best actors, Halle Berry. Oh, Lord Jesus. Sorry. You can have the best actors. You can have the best, uh, uh, the best characters. You can have the best stunt people. But a movie is not any better than its script. Right? Have you went to see a movie just because of who was in it and who directed it or who produced it? And then you realize it was a lame movie because the story was just lame. And so if, you, if, you're, if the story of your life is just bad, then rewrite the script. Now, here's the thing, though. The script is not the plan of your life. So what I'm not saying, I mean, what I'm not saying is, is uh, go get a new plan. You need a new five-year plan. You need a new 10-year plan. You need to reprioritize, reorganize. That's not the script of your life that determines how good or bad or, or, or successful or limited your life is. The script of your life is not the plan, but it's what you and what I tell myself in here moment by moment. It's what Proverbs would say when it says out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. But Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as you think, that's who you are. And then out of the abundance of your heart is what you speak, right? And we know that our words create the worlds in which we live, right? You're living in a world that was created by words that you spoke yesterday and the day before and years in the past. So if you want to change your world, you got to change your words. But you can't change your words Unless you deal with your heart, right? Because your words come from your heart. But the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you want to live a better story, you have to rewrite the script. That means you got to change what you're telling yourself moment by moment, day by day, minute by minute. You have to answer the question, who has God made me to be? And you have to rehearse that in your mind. Not what everybody else has said about you. Not what you've been telling yourself. But you have to change your mind by changing the way that you think. If you want to live better. See, many times the things that keep people locked into um, destructive cycles. Dysfunction, poverty, you know, immorality, all of those things. It's, it's not, you can't try to change behavior. And, and you can't really, you know, you, where do you have to, you have to start with? It's a mentality. And so you have to change the script of what that person is telling themselves. Because if they're in an ungodly cycle, it's because they have an ungodly belief. They have believed a lie. And the scripture says they will believe a lie and be damned. So they are damning themselves because they have believed something that is a lie that is not the truth of God's word. So to dismantle that, to deconstruct that, the scripture says we have to pull down strongholds in our mind. We have to tear down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Paul said that we have to renew our minds by the word of God. And we have to build godly beliefs to replace the ungodly beliefs. 
We have to build godly beliefs on the word of God. So here's a question. What are you currently telling yourself that is sabotaging who God has destined you to become? Philippians 4 and 8. Look at what Paul tells the Philippian church. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Why? Because your life will follow your thoughts. And if you think about all of the baloney and all of the negative and all of the limitations and all of the problems and all the past and all the trauma and all the what's surrounding you, then that will govern your life. But if you elevate your mind, that's why the scripture says set your mind on things above, then your life will follow your thoughts. I remember saying as a youth pastor, garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage into your mind, guess what's going to come out? Garbage. Because here's the thing. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. It's a fact of biology. It's a fact of psychology. It's a fact of spirituality. So we got to put different things in and rewrite the script. Number two, change the actors, right? You can have a great script, but you have lousy actors. It's a poor story. So some of you need to change your actors. And what I mean by that specifically is your relationships. You see, there are some people that can't get to where you are going. And as long as you hold on to them, you'll never get to where God's called you to go. At some point, you got to throw Jonah off the boat if you want to be saved, right? At some point, you got to say, I love you. I value our relationship. You have been, did you hear that? You have been an important part of my life, and I am forever grateful. Sayonara, right? Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't have to be that ugly. But Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. You can be the most noble and, and, and purposeful person. And if you hang around with, someone once said, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas, right? <laughs> because you can't fight who you hang around. You're, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If we want to just keep throwing the cliches out there, right? <laughs> Proverbs 13, 20, look at what it says. Whoever walks with the wise, guess what? That means that there is wisdom that is not just taught or learned, it is caught. If you are around someone with, with forward motion in their life and their life's moving and you hang out with them, guess what? You don't even have to do anything and your life will start to move a little bit. If you hang out with someone that's prophetic, guess what? That spirit of prophecy will jump on you. It's called impartation. If you hang around someone that all they do is moan and complain and gripe and they're a victim and they've uh, got a spirit of entitlement, guess what? Before too long, you could have been the, the most positive person and they will sour you. It says, whoever is a companion of fools. You don't even have to be a fool. Just be a companion of fools. And the scripture says you're going to get hurt. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep seeing what you've always seen. Who do you, here's your question, allow to speak into your life? This is the critical question. 
Whatever your life will become will be directly related to how you have answered intentionally or unintentionally that question. I'll never forget all of the times that I've spoken with someone who had some area of their life that was just in shambles. And, and it would always be traced back to where they, they sought the wrong person for advice. You know, Susie went and talked to Jackie who had already had five marriages and none of them worked out to find out how she needs to be a good wife. Dumb. Bill went and talked to a guy who ain't got two nickels to rub together to find out how he should live and invest his money and spend his money. Dumb. Go to someone who is successful in that area that you need help. Just because they're your buddy doesn't mean that they have profitable advice for every area of your life. Ain't none of us got a perfect life in every single area. You can excel in one area and be deficient in another area. And we're all trying to to bring our deficiencies up some. But listen, surround yourself and hang out with people who are going to help you move into what God has called you to move into. Never forget how people, they just trade out pastors, trade out churches. Just they'll let anybody speak into their life, anybody prophesy to them, anybody flatter them. You better know who is speaking into your life. And you better make sure that's the voice you want to have weighed into your life. Everybody needs an upline, a downline, and a sideline. When you're looking at the actors in your story. You need somebody at a higher level than you that can lift you when you're down. That's always having an upward pull on your life. That you're looking to and always striving to become a mentor. Someone who's speaking in your life. doesn't have to be a hands-on, whatever. It could be from a distance. It could be somebody you don't even know, but they're an upline. You also have to have a downline. you got to have somebody that you're pulling on, that you're helping, that you're allowed. Now, you can't have all downlines. You're going to be like this all day, right? And you can't have all uplines because then you're just riding everybody's coattails, right? You need an upline and you need a downline and you need a sideline. Somebody who's a peer, an associate who's on a similar level with you that can encourage you and you can sharpen one another and you can do life with each other. Last thing and we'll close tonight. Rewrite the script. Change the actors. Number three, step up the action. If you want to live a better story, you got to get some more action in your story, right? Great actors, good basic script, but guys, help me out. We need some action, right? We need action in the story to keep us engaged. And sometimes people's lives go on coast and they get monotonous and they get bored. And, and you've ever, you've heard that, I don't know, I guess I'm just in a cliche spirit tonight. But, you know, an idle mind is the devil's workshop, Right? All the single guys, you need to have a lot of responsibility. In fact, I heard someone say that a a, a single man is like an old truck. The more weight you put on him, the straighter he'll drive. If you don't have any weight on him, he gets all over the place, right? 
When your marriage gets flat, when your finances get flat and your ambition gets flat, that's when the enemy comes in and all kinds of craziness starts happening. But if you step up the action, you've always got something that you're pursuing. It's, it's a part of having a good upline, right? You're always looking for the next thing. Not that you're discontent or that you're dissatisfied with God, but you're, you're pursuing not your own selfish ambition, but you're pursuing God's purpose. And you know that God's created you for more and you've got to keep your life moving. So you step up the action and that helps you live a better story so what am I telling myself with whom am I partnering and what am I doing three questions that will help you live a better story and so tonight I want to ask you for a moment to think about the story that your life is currently telling I want you to think about how it's been told in the, and how it will be told in the arenas of your life your past, your future and your present. I want you to think about the great and the horrible things in your past that God has redeemed and covered by His blood and how those very things have helped serve God's purpose in your future. I think about Joseph, all the stuff that Joseph went through just for having a dream from God and telling it to his family, which should have been the safe circle uh, that he could, should, could share his dreams with and how that caused him to be abandoned and disenfranchised from his family and be put in jail several times. And every time God lifted him out and he, he tried to move forward in his life, he took one step forward and ten steps back and all of those kind of things. But in the end, the future, that's the mystery, he is serving and feeding an entire nation. And the very people who rejected him, his own family, come to him for food. And in Genesis chapter 50, he says this. He says, what you meant... For evil. God has turned it around. And turned it into a blessing. That's why it is good to check the rearview mirror every once in a while. And thank God for what he's done. How far. When you think you're not moving fast enough. And you've not accomplished all your goals and your dreams. Just... Just glance up at that rearview mirror and thank God for how far you've come, right? We're not what we, what we were, praise God. And then look around and survey your relationships and say, where am, I, where am I lacking? What relationships need to be added to this circle and what relationships need to be left? Say, how can I be proactive? What, what action, what... Things can I do? In Colossians, I didn't get to read it, but in Colossians chapter 3, you can read that on your own. Paul talks about how that, how that we are to put off some things and we are to put on some things. So we're not saved by our works, saved by God's grace. None of us deserve it. But once we are saved, we have the power then to change behavior, to change habits by God's Holy Spirit. There are some things that we need to put off and cut off. And then there are other things that need to be added to us. So that we can be all that God's called us to be. So I'm praying and believing that God is going to help each of us live a better story. Right? Just better. It could be good right now, but can it be better? Of course it can. Stand on your feet. Let's pray. Hopefully now you'll work this out. And you'll be a doer and not just a hearer, right? You won't go home and say, oh, wow, that was great teaching. Or, oh, man, that, that sucked, you know. But you'll, but you'll actually think, okay, what do I need to do as a result of what I've heard? 
So, Father, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you enable all of us by your grace, by your mercy, by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a better story. Lord, it's not for our own success or ambition, God, but it's for your glory and for your purpose. I pray that you would highlight by the the spotlight of your Holy Spirit things that need to change in our lives, ways that we can, can allow you to transform us. Father, relationships that need to be uh, strengthened and some that need to be cut off. Pray that you would help us see habits that are destructive in our own lives and keeping us from the life that we know that you want us to live and that you'll help us add positive discipline and habits into our life. We just pray that you would do all of this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.